Welcome to B2B Podcast Stories, brought to you by GHM Marketing. Our guest today is Jacob Holliball. Jacob has his own podcast, which is a history podcast where he discusses his interest in history, which isn't a B2B podcast, but he also is a professional host for PayPod, a payments podcast, which is a B2B podcast. Jacob knows a lot about the field. He's been a professional podcast host for more than a year now, and he knows a lot about how to interview guests from various backgrounds of which he is not. So today, expect to learn how to make sure your B2B podcast guests don't become too salesy when they come on your show, how to be a great host in an industry that you don't come from, as Jacob doesn't come from payments, and the value of podcasting for various businesses such as advertising and production agencies, which Jacob has some experience on through his wife and other friends he knows as well, which is really interesting case study on the benefits of podcasts. Before we begin, please remember to subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast. If that's here on YouTube, then great, hit the subscribe button. It makes sure that you always know when the next episode's coming out and you don't want to miss the next ones because we're getting bigger and bigger guests to come on B2B Podcast Stories. So lots to look forward to. Make sure you hit subscribe. And with that, here's Jacob. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on the B2B Podcast Stories podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to get to speak with you both and uh, chat about the uh, the world of corporate podcasting. Amazing. So let's get straight into it. Tell us about your journey into corporate podcasting and how you got involved in it. What drew you into the niche in general? It was pretty. It was pretty random. Although it was one of those things where it came about randomly, but it was something that I wanted and you know jumped at when it did come about. I had been about a year into publishing my own podcast uh, about a silly reality television show that was just a pure for fun thing that I did on the side. But in doing so, I had learned how to edit and produce a podcast and all the kind of basics that you need to have a podcast up and running. And so that led me to start my own little production company doing podcast production for other folks. But I did always have an eye towards wanting, I want to be on the production side, but I wanted to be on the talent side, quote unquote, you know, on the microphone in any way possible. It was all, any form of it was interesting to me. And I got fortunate enough that uh, a client I had worked with on the production side of things came to me and said they, you know, had someone with a show, a long running corporate podcast show that the host was leaving and they needed a new host for, and they knew you know, I was interested in that side of the equation and if I would be interested. And so I jumped at the opportunity. It was very random that it came about. I wasn't searching it out, but I was like, wait a minute. I, th- I thought it would be years before someone would offer to pay me to host a show and to get that level of experience. And uh, it came about quicker than anticipated. So jumped at it and now have been hosting PayPod um, for 70 ish episodes, not quite a full year yet, uh, coming up somewhat soon. Uh, all the dates are, it's hard to remember dates at this point of life. You get your thirties and you can't remember anything. At least that's how it's been for me. Uh, so about a year into now hosting a show pay pod for the company soar pay. So all about the payments and FinTech world and has been absolutely amazing and wonderful and wasn't when I wanted to be on the talent side, it wasn't, you know, corporate podcasting, branded podcasts like that wasn't always what I was thinking. But when it came about, I was like, this is actually perfect for, it's really fun and interesting and I get to learn a lot, but it's also just amazing reps of interviewing people and challenging yourself and building up a lot of the skill set that 
was what I want to build up to continue hopefully being on the microphone side, on the talent side of things in my podcasting journey that, you know, fingers crossed last, you know, this is the career I would like. So hopefully, hopefully I'm still doing this many years from now. Yeah, and it's interesting because the thing about corporate podcasting in general is that you get to speak to all these really interesting people from all these different companies, right? So like you have um, CEOs, CEOs of all these different companies who are really smart people, really intelligent people, obviously had to be to get into the role that they are now. And you get to have a one-to-one chat with them about something that they're interested in and hopefully you're interested in at the same time, right? Have I openly said this to the first few guests that I had when I first jumped into it? You know, my the podcast I host is all about the financial world, the fintech world, the payments world, and I did not work in that industry. By I never have worked directly in that industry. I was interested in it, and so I you know liked the idea of getting to talk about it. But as you said, like I'm I'm not someone who would otherwise be in the room with these people. Certainly not someone who they would just be like having a one on one conversation with if it wasn't for me having, you know, this platform now for them to get to get their messages and their ideas and things out there. And so it's pretty wild. And it's part of the incredible opportunity that a show like this um, and a podcast in this world offers that I am talking to some pretty unbelievably impressive people and really cool and interesting people that I otherwise would have no chance of talking to. Like I actually a few hours after this have uh, the nerves kind of went away after, you know, I've done 70 ish episodes of it, but they still come back with certain guests. And I have one in a couple hours that I'm just like, I don't know how in the world I'm talking to this person. This makes no sense. And if they only knew my entire history and background, they'd be like, this makes no sense. Why am I talking to this person? Um, so the nerves do come back and sometimes the guests are, you know, it's just wild and crazy and definitely probably the coolest part of uh, doing what we do. So how do you handle that? Like you're not in finance. You never were in finance yet. You're hosting a finance podcast. Like how do you manage that on a day-to-day basis with your podcast? The first thing I had to do one throughout the entire process is always being honest with both the people you are talking to working with and with yourself and like not trying to fake, like I know more than I do or anything like that. But especially at the very beginning, I was honest in getting the job. So like, you know, when I was hired to do this, they, there was no false pretense that I knew more than I did. They were well aware that I was coming in as someone pretty much new to the industry, but just had proven to be a smart enough person and had the interest to learn. And so before I did my first interview, I spent about two weeks kind of deep diving the subject matter and talking to the CEO of the company that had hired me, SorePay, and being like, hey, I need to know as much, like, act like you were a guest on the show and you're meeting someone who doesn't know anything about this industry. What would you, you know, give me one hour. And I made him, I was like, we're doing a one hour call where you're going to, it's going to be a classroom. You're going to tell me everything that I should know about this to be passable in this job at first. And then it became a repetition standpoint of for each interview early on, it was multiple hours of prep for each episode to make sure that I kind of knew what I was talking about with the topic matter. If the company was like a, you know, a payment facilitator, I was like, okay, now's the time where I got to really drill in and like, know everything I can know in, you know, three, four hours of research and reading and listening podcasts, things about a payment facilitator and leaning on that. And, you know, over time now, I feel pretty, I now feel qualified where I maybe didn't at the beginning. I feel very knowledgeable from all the experience, from all the conversations and am adding my own thoughts in a little bit more recently. 
but the benefit of the type of show that it is, it's not about my thoughts. It is purely like I am truly a host asking questions. I need to know things so that I can probe and kind of ask follow-ups and, you know, get to more information and more interesting things that maybe others wouldn't get out of these people. But I don't need to be giving them my opinion of how the payments world should work. So leaning on that, knowing it's them that are sharing their expertise, but putting in that time, putting in that upfront work and being honest about where I needed to get to and where I was starting from, from a knowledge-based side. So that's, that's an interesting aspect. Like the knowledge part, you obviously need to kind of run after it when you start hosting this, this type of podcast in such a specific niche. But that's something you can acquire, especially for like each guest that come on the show, you get information on them, their background, where they've been working on. Um, and all that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you relate that to the podcast host skills? Because you say I need to know as much, or at least fake it until you make it know as much as them in order to make the podcast interesting. But the particularity of the host is that you need to ask the right question to the guest. What are the skills that you developed or have seen as being the ones that you need to be good at in order to do this kind of job? the professional podcast host? There's two things. The first part is I do have a plan with every episode, like for this style of interview, I'm not scripting out every word I say by any means, but I am scripting out the questions that I plan to ask. And then if I can think of ahead, like even kind of planning out, these are some possible follow-ups that I might add or ask, depending on how they answer this first question where I maybe have an idea of I'm asking about this topic and there's kind of two schools of thought. I don't know which one they're in, but if I find out they're in school A, I've kind of got this question ready to go or school B, this question. So I have a plan, but I'm not reliant on the plan. I'm open to, I've had some shows where I ask every question on the list and that's the only things we ask. And that's kind of what the guest is giving me back. And so that's what we do. I've had other interviews where I have asked the first question that I plan to ask, and I did not look at the list of questions again the entire time because it just became a back and forth in a conversation, and they were kind of leading to places they were interested in talking about and had interesting things to say. So having a plan but not being stuck to it, but then the second side, the real skill that I, I like to think that I'm getting better and better at as we go and that I feel much more confident in now is just reading people and their responses. And the first part of that is making sure like, you know, just as we did before we started recording here, I don't have someone hop into the call and we've never met or anything and the recording's already on and it's, hey, welcome to PayPal. This is you. Like, here we go. I usually spend about at least 10 minutes talking to the person, trying to get to know a little bit about them, mostly so I can kind of get to know what's their energy like? What's their response like? Can I kind of get a feel for when something that's exciting to them or interesting to them or not, or you know, how excited are they to be here in general? And that way I have a little info to go on when we're actually talking. I can look for in their responses, hey, was their, their, you know, their energy's a little low. They're, you know, maybe seem a little disinterested, but that one little part, I saw there was like kind of a spark in that two minute answer when they referenced this one thing. Clearly, they, that's the thing that, you know, if I want to get this going back in the right direction, there's clearly a little more interest there. So follow up on that specifically, even if I have no idea what that was. Regurgitate what they said and ask, like, can you expand on that is the most basic follow up question you can have if you're totally confused. But hopefully I know, you know, have some idea of what they're asking and I can get a little more interesting of a follow up question than that. But the skill of 
reading and reacting to the person and what is interesting to them, what gets them excited, which then helps come up with the questions you might want to ask and the converse where you want to lead the conversation, but then also just makes for much more valuable or interesting or entertaining content coming back when the person you're able to figure out how to move them from, yeah, this is my company. This is, you know, salesy stuff. This is kind of known quantities within this realm we're talking about versus these are actual like ideas I have, or these are things that really get me excited and interesting. And I've got this theory or I've got, I think this trend is happening or whatever. And you can kind of steer towards that. So the reading and reacting of people, I think is the biggest skill that I've, you know, I knew was going to be important and I've tried to continue to cultivate and that mixed with having a plan, but not being beholden to that plan. Um, and kind of walking that line those are the two things that stand out to me the most. Love it. And I think you're the right person to talk to about the differences between corporate host and a more traditional podcast or not corporate podcast, because you have both, right? That's, that's where we started with this interview. How do you, how do you, what are the differences you see between the skills required to be a corporate host versus a non-corporate podcast host? Yeah, uh, there's definitely different skill sets and I would actually split it up into three categories. I kind of split the whole podcasting world up into business side and entertainment side. And like on the entertainment side is things like the other show I host that's like recapping a television show or, you know, true crime type stuff is in like the entertainment side or sports related things like those are purely people listening to that are listening for fun, entertainment, leisure, that sort of thing. They're kind of all in their own realm that is very different from the business realm where it is informational. Maybe it's business development, personal development, but there's, you know, someone's trying to learn something, trying to get better at something. And in that realm, it's kind of split in half of, they're all, you know, kind of on the more corporate side, but the the way I split it in half is what I do is what I would call like a corporate podcast where it's a branded podcast for a company that is, you know, behind it. And the general purpose of it is to build brand awareness to some degree, but also just brand authority in and have those connections between, you know, now, you know, if we're a lesser known company in the industry, well, two years from now, when we've hosted 200 of the most important people on our podcast. And now, you know, we're kind of moving our brand up into, in people's minds, into the same realm of all these other people. That's kind of what I do. I split it up a little bit from shows where, you know, I don't, I, I work for the company now that I host the show for, but I am not the, the head of the company. I am not the one producing the product of the company. And I have been a part of in the past and uh, very familiar with the world of, you know, the entrepreneur that hosts the show in their own niche that the main goal of it is to basically get clients out of their guests. My wife had a show like this a few years back where they weren't, they didn't care how many people listened. They didn't care if it, you know, eventually got them speaking on a stage at some conference or something. Their goal was, this is a networking tool for me that I have a platform. So when I meet someone, I can say, Hey, it would be great if you come on my show. And my real intention is that one out of the 10 people that come on my show, I'm going to actually eventually work with you. And, you know, all the money I spend on the podcast and getting the people on and everything is, you know, the ROI is going to be amazing just off of one of you becoming a client that pays me X amount a year, you know, a month to do whatever it is I do. My wife has an advertising agency. So hers was interviewing entrepreneurs and it was like, you know, one out of every 10 of these might have a product or something that we can sell and advertise really well. And now if one of them becomes a client, we make, 
you know, way more than we've ever spent on the podcast and it's a worthwhile pursuit and it's a networking tool. So I do kind of split the business corporate side up into those two buckets, depending on who the host is and what the goal is. Um, and you know, what I'm doing with, isn't necessarily to sell SorePay's products or to bring on clients. There is that networking aspect of it and it's very great, but it's mostly brand recognition and kind of building up the brand and the authority of the company within the industry or ecosystem that it's playing in. And so the skills for each of those different, you think? Like as a host yourself, to Guillaume's question, like, so I think you laid out really nicely the different types of podcasts. How does you as a host behave differently in each of them? Yeah, very differently. I mean, on the, the entertainment side is completely other thing because it's entertainment again. It's, you know, you need to be funny. You need to be witty. You know, you're you're doing all that. So we'll put that totally to the side in like the business world, the corporate side, I think you need to be the focus is much more on the guest than it is on both of you at the same time. I think in that kind of entrepreneur world where you're hosting a show for your own business is a little more give and take and you are bringing your as much yourself to the table as the guest that you're having on maybe versus what I'm doing. Whereas I said before, you know, it's not about me and what I know or anything. It's about me helping to extract from the guest everything interesting or knowledgeable that they have to offer to the audience. And so that that skill set is very different um, as far as the types of questions you're going to ask. The interviews are you know structured a little bit differently. It's conversational, but if I look back afterwards and I pull it up in the editor and I'm like, wait, we each talked half of the time. Like, that's great that we had a really legit conversation, but the audience isn't looking for me to talk half of the time in this version where the other version that might be the case. So I think it just changes the, the types of questions, the type of preparation you need to do where the, the corporate one is a little more straightforward of, I know going into every conversation, the things I'm hoping to learn about or find out about where the other, the entrepreneurship kind of side, there's a little more space for this could go wherever it wants to go. If we talk about your company, cool. If we talk about you got into ice baths recently and you want to talk about that or whatever, like, great. You know, it's like, it can be a little more broad where there's just kind of a little bit more structure, a little bit more streamlined of a point and a process to what we're doing and what we're trying to get out of the guests that just makes the the interview there's a lot of overlap i'm you know i'm certainly hopeful there's a lot of overlap because i want to kind of host shows in all realms of podcasting one day um but I, it definitely does kind of fall a just a slightly different interview set of skills as far as interviewing and what you're looking for out of the guests the type of prep that you're doing and the the type of conversation you're looking to have and are the guests different like so the people that come on humans and beings have like different personas right so me with my family is very different with me with Guillaume it's very different with me with my boss it's like so you're a different person in a lot of different settings a lot of the time the way you speak how focused you are how free you are etc does that apply to like when, when people come into your corporate podcast are they very like professional and do they behave very differently or are people just people and whether they're coming on to the the corporate podcast or they're coming on to your recreational podcast they still just you you manage them more or less the same I think you manage it differently in that the goal on the corporate side is the more I can get the people to just be themselves or be people, the better, because they definitely are coming in. I like to think of it. They're, they're coming on my show and shows like mine and in the corporate world, the same way they would kind of approach 
being on a stage, like a panel at an event, you know, every, every industry has their, you know, big get togethers and big conferences and events and whatever. I feel like they all treat it like that, that this is more or less marketing for them and for their company. And they've kind of got like, here's the company talking points. Here's how I want to, you know, here's what I want to get out. And basically what they're trying to do is get a sales pitch out for their company or, you know, another a marketing for their company. And my goal is you get to do that by all means. We want to give you the space to do that. Um, and we understand that's what most of you are coming to do, but to get them to actually maybe go beyond that is the hope with every single one and kind of open up and be a little more relaxed in themselves versus, you know, I'm most of the time with all the CEOs and different people I'm talking to, they're calling me, you know, from their office in the middle of the workday. So they are very much in like, I'm the CFO of this company and I'm in, I'm at work right now doing this conversation. So this is a, a checklist on their, you know, daily to do's to do their incredibly high level, important job that they do. So trying to break those barriers down just a little bit and get them to be a little bit more personable or to know, Hey, like we're, I'm going to let you get talk about your product. or I'm going to let you tell us why you're better than your competitors or whatever, whatever you want to do from the salesy side. Like I'm going to let you do that. One, could you try to do it in a more interesting way than just like reciting whatever your ad out there is? But two, can you also like people are going to be more receptive to it if you just act, you know, let have it, let us have a conversation like we're at dinner together and actually tell me some things about the industry or just your thoughts on things in general that are more interesting and would show people who you actually are as a person that might make them be like, I like this person. I'm more interested now in remembering the salesy part of what they said and, you know, being receptive to that versus I'm listening to just listening to a sales pitch and that's all this person's going to give. So next episode, like let's, let's move, keep it moving on. So I think that's, that's definitely on me as the host to get them to break through that ground. That's like my main goal with every guest, but they are approaching for the most part, almost all of my guests are approaching it as like, you know, they do a bunch of these shows. They treat it the same as speaking at an event, speaking at a conference of, this is my 20 minute, you know, time to share a couple thoughts, but more or less to share my company and what it does. And, you know, that we're as good as it gets in the industry. I really like how the hosting mechanic will differ depending on the objective of the podcast. So obviously the objective of the company and its strategy behind it. Sam and I have, a, have an educational podcast. So there obviously the focus is the audience, right? We want to make the audience happy because that's, that's the point. We make educational content. I understand for podcasters and hosts like your wife, maybe Jacob, the idea is more to make it all about the guests because what you want is to establish a strong relationship with your guests and potentially convert them as a client, right? And for a podcast, which is more branding around the company, I guess it's a mix of both because you want, of course, to satisfy the audience and create good value and great content out there for your different platforms, the podcast being one, the social media being another. But you also want to create strategic partnership with the guests. So you need there to obviously make it interesting for them and about them. And as you just highlighted, having their company's value and a bit of promoting, but not being too salesy at the same time. Whilst, of course, defending the interest of the company behind it and making it the whole as something for sure. So it's interesting the, the dynamic and the mechanics the host must adopt depending on the objective of the podcast. What's the, so what's your take on this? How should a podcast approach the strategy depending on the on the company like if the company wants to execute a certain way what should the host do is there like for instance was there a conversation between you and the people who had 
started the podcast in the in the first place on saying, okay, this is our strategy. Make sure to adopt this approach when you interview people. Was it such a conversation? There, not really, uh, but partially because I immediately went about like I listened to you know the podcast I took over was. 200 episodes in or more and so there was a lot that i could go back and listen to and so i i listened to like before i after i had my initial like interview for the job um before i then had that conversation i referenced earlier where i told the ceo like you're gonna tell me it, in, you know, you're gonna give me the crash course in this industry uh i in one week listened to like 15 to 20 episodes like the most recent 15 to 20 of the show to get an idea of how did the previous host do it what and you know i could kind of feel out they definitely had a strategy or a bit of a structure to how the show was laid out and uh, how they tried to kind of mix and match these salesy and non-salesy kind of portions. And so I, I did have that info to some degree without them having to like sit down and say, this is specifically what they want. They were thankfully open to like, you know, uh, they communicated the goals of the show and said, but you can do it however you kind of want to do it. And, you know, we're the last host kind of made that her thing and that's you know how she did it but it was on her own and you have the same freedom to do the same um but it was it became the biggest objective for me and is, is definitely the biggest thing to that i think about with every single show and or every single episode of the show is in approaching and getting through that like what this isn't meant to purely just be an infomercial for the company in a sales pitch like how do we make sure with every guest that that is not what happens, that that can be a little part of it, but it's not the entirety of it. So it was kind of on me to make the structure and my main like way of avoiding that is in that preparation and in coming up with kind of the topics and things ahead of time, I both have in there to make sure I'm not asking anything super direct about the company unless unless they have something that is like revolutionary. I've spoken to some people where it's like this product you offer, you are the only one in the world of finance that offers this thing. So I will ask you very specific about your company and this product because I, I it actually relates to the industry as a whole versus talking to someone that like all of your products are the same thing that like 30 companies do. So I don't need the sales pitch on why yours is better. Like let's talk about the industry as a whole, but setting up that structure going into not have the very first thing we do be tell me your company, tell me your products, tell me why are you better? You know, like that straightforward and to make it kind of known with the first few questions that I'm looking to talk high level. And some of that also comes in the pre-interview process when again, you know, I try to spend about 10 minutes with them, getting to know them a little bit, but also ask them like, did you look through the questions that I had sent over? Is there anything you are dying to talk about from like, you know, company announcement type aside? If so, I'll, tell me now and I'll work that in maybe at the end or, and then I kind of make it known to them like, Hey, like, look, obviously I want people to come out at the end of this, like knowing what your company is and what you offer and everything. But we mainly want to talk more high level than that and more industry wide than that. And so setting that standard both to them directly beforehand, but then also via the questions and the topics and the structure and the flow of the conversation of make sure that it's not just immediately to what's your company, what's your product, why are you better? And that's all there is. And then, you know, if they, if they try to take everything back to that, I try to even more be like redirect to what's the most broad thing I can ask you. How can I force you to answer a question that doesn't come directly back to a, a, a marketing quote about a product you offer? And so 
uh, that goes back to the reading and reacting to the person and everything. But the salesy thing is, is the definitely the number one goal I have going into every episode is the number one obstacle to overcome, so to speak. And is definitely, uh, yeah, is, is top of mind with, with every episode I do. Super interesting. And so have you ever had to kick out someone off the show just because they've been <laughs> too salesy or just like end an elf conversation? Like, yeah, this is too, or, or have you left conversations being like, ah, okay, that was, that was terrible. That was too salesy. I have, I have definitely had a few episodes where I, I definitely self grade after every, every episode. And I both, I grade myself and my ability. Like, did I, is there anything I can learn about how well that went and either why it went really well or why it didn't. But I also do think to myself of like, mm, yeah, if I was like a listener of the show or whatever, I'm, I'm probably not making it through that full episode or how I am or whatever. I kind of like give the episode a grade. And there has been a few times where the, the person I can usually tell very quickly in the pre-interview talk, usually, hopefully I can pick up on it. And if I can tell like this person isn't going to give me anything other than like, I'm here to give you 10 minutes of this is my company and what we're great at. And that's it. And nothing interesting, nothing more in depth than that. Those episodes are going to be shorter. I'm going to give my best effort, but if I can't get anywhere else, then I'm not going to give them the runway of like, you can still have 40 minutes here to do that. Sure. Okay. You win. Here you go. As long as you want. Cause that, that isn't a value to my listeners in any way, or, you know, kind of in value to any of the things we're trying to do. So those do happen, but that's, you know, that's again, mostly those learning lessons or those are the ones then, especially afterwards, I need to sit down and be like, was there nothing I could do, which that has happened one or two times. I can think of a couple individuals where I'm like, there was nothing I could do. I could be Oprah and, you know, the best interviewer in the world wasn't happening. They were here for one specific reason. That was all they were giving me that they, they had no interest in anything else. Cool. There's many other ones where I can look back and reflect like, oh, that didn't really go as well as I thought or would have wanted to, was it because of something I did? Was I either not prepared and they brought up something that I was like, I don't know what you're, I'm not that knowledgeable in that area. So I'm like struggling to figure out where the interesting thing to ask is. Okay, good. That's note for the future. Make sure if that topic comes up again, but just to always again, button up ahead of time, know what you're talking about. Research if you're not as familiar with that particular topic. Was there a question I asked that derailed things? Was it going in a really good place? And then I like asked the wrong thing, assess that. So definitely doing that self-assessment afterwards and going back to something I said kind of early in this conversation, being honest with yourself at all times is really important and not being too hard on yourself, honest, but not too hard of, like I said, one or two people, it wasn't on me. That was what was going to happen. No one in my shoes could have done better. That's cool. Don't be hard on myself over those. But the other ones where you can actually be honest and say, yeah, there was a moment that I did something that maybe derailed things slightly or completely or whatnot, or didn't increase things the way I would have liked. Okay. Why? And is that something that can be addressed in the future and that we can learn from and grow from and get better to avoid that happening as often, or if at all in the future. So definitely an assessment that needs to take place with each episode, but always remembering that in this world of corporate podcasting, it is. I think it, no matter what industry you're in, if you're doing a corporate podcast, it is going to be the number one thing is to make it not a marketing sales pitch every episode. And you're not going to be a hundred percent, uh, or maybe, maybe you might be years into your career if you're really, really established and good at it and, you know, tons and tons of experience, but you're not going to be perfect, but always doing that assessment to get 
better and better and better and, you know, have a higher probability of success in getting it to an interesting and valuable spot for the listener. I like that. As a podcast host, you need to be literally interviewing yourself after every single interview you do and being self-reflective of how well did that go. Some podcast hosts, I know, even listen to themselves and listen to every single episode that they've put out themselves to hear back at, okay, how's that conversation? As a listener, in the listener experience, this is how I feel this is going. And that's a great way to get better as well. But not many people like to hear themselves. It's it's a it's a weird experience to say the least. You have to get used to I I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that like it, maybe you know, from an ego standpoint or whatever, like <laughs> maybe. You know, maybe if they really like it. I I used to never do that at all, and I have started to do more of it because I the first time you do it, you realize it sounds way different listening back than it does in the moment when you're doing it. And so it's worthwhile to know what does it actually sound like on the other side? And so it is helpful, I think, for anyone to do that. Uh, but it is, it's kind of a, it's an odd experience to get used to, to actually. It's a great insight though. You're right. Like you really do, when you listen back to that podcast, it's just completely different to your remembered experience of that podcast. It's like when you're in it, you think that you were talking much lot, a lot more than you we're actually talking or a lot less than you're actually talking. When you listen back to like, oh no, that sounded fine. Maybe you sounded, you felt like you were really nervous, but in reality, you didn't come across as nervous at all, or you did come across as nervous. Maybe your voice is just a lot more high pitched than you thought it was. But listening back to it, you, you can't think that the experience that you remember of the shows that you've done is the actual experience coming across because you know what's going inside your head and you know what you're thinking and you know how you're hearing yourself in that moment but you don't know how someone else is listening to you. And that experience is very, very different. So listening it back and putting yourself as a listener is super important. And I'll add to that too, the, you know, uh, most of the you know, show that I do is a video format as well, but the main, the vast majority of the listenership is on an audio platform. And uh, the other show I do same way. Most of the shows I work on as a producer, you know, it's the same way. It's pretty much across the, the world of podcasting is becoming a little bit more of a visual medium as the, you know, the short form version of it. Most people are recording video, at least just to do the short form stuff on social and everything. But when you're doing the interview, if you're doing it in, you know, you with the video, you can see the other person, even if it's over zoom, it's not in person or whatever, but like you can see them. And the conversation is very different when you're having it and seeing the other person versus if you are then listening, just purely listening to it or potentially watching and listening to it on YouTube or whatever, it, it comes across very differently. And so especially it was kind of jarring the first few times that I just listened to an episode afterwards of like the big thing that is different is some of the things I might've been picking up on in person or thinking like, oh, like, you know, like you said, like, I, I thought I was so nervous. I hope that doesn't come across. Well, like maybe if you watched it, you could tell a little bit that I might be nervous, but listening to it, you can't tell at all. And it's, you know, it's just a different experience visually or purely on the audio side. So, um, it makes a big difference. The experience you have in actually recording it and having the conversation is a visual. Most people are list just listening to it. And it's different when you're only hearing it and then not to, uh, you know, plus also the editing that comes into of like, 
well, yeah, there was that one really bad part. Guess what? Your editor's wonderful, and they cut that part out because it was a little weird or awkward or whatever, or you, you misspoke or something, whatever. Great. It's not there afterwards. No one knows but you and the person. And so there's always that, too, is your editor's always hopefully there to uh, save you and make you sound as smart as you possible with what you put out. The editors, the best friends of the hosts. Indeed. Jacob, are you listening and watching yourself twice a week then? Or... How brave is that? No, it's pretty rare. There's specific episodes where when I'm done, I will think to myself, I should listen to that because I'm interested to know what it sounded like afterwards because maybe maybe it was a guest that was a little harder to get into a more personal conversation or maybe it was one where I was like, I did kind of stumble a little here or there. I'm like, I don't, I wonder if that those follow-ups or lack of follow-ups came across as like, he's confused or whatever, or if it just seemed like, you know, regular transition or whatever. So I kind of know at the end of a recording, like I should go listen to that or part of that or this part or whatever. Um, but it's, uh, it's not a regular practice. I certainly don't listen to every episode. I would maybe 10% of them at most. Um, but it should be, I've made it a regular thing that I listen to that 10% because I want to always be checking in once in a while, but no, I would, uh, I don't have the time to listen to my own show. I barely have time to listen to the shows that I'm working on on the production side and everything else. So I don't have time to listen to all of my episodes. But uh, when I think there's something to learn and get better from, I will make sure to uh, go listen to that one. Very cool. So you tell, talk us through your prep process. So you mentioned there, Jacob, that you have that 10 minutes before every show where you go through with the guests. I think that's super important to have a bit of time with the guests beforehand to make sure that A, you build rapport with them, they get a little bit easy. If you just switch on the mic and the camera and you go hit record, hey, so tell me about this, this, this. Obviously, anyone with a little bit of EQ knows that that's not gonna work out very, very well. So having a little bit of time to just make sure that they know you're a human, that you, I liked what you said about show them and tell them that they will get a chance to talk about their company. Just let's talk about it in a non-salesy way so they don't feel like they have to be forcing it in and that's not the objective of coming in. Hopefully they trust you for that. But you also do all the script prep yourself as well, right? Talk us through that. Like, how do you go around preparing for a guest? Like, what kind of research do you do? Uh, do you have a specific objective based on the person? Do you have a general objective based on the corporate mission of the podcast? How do you go about the prep? I'll answer both those because I think they're they're both parts of that. That like the question prep and everything pre and then that that ten first ten minutes with the guest pre recording are both super important. The everything beforehand. So you know, I the bookings come in. I, all I know at the point of the booking is the name of the person and the, the company and title. And so, you know, I, I have a little template document that I work off of where I pull up. And the first thing I do is find the person on LinkedIn and, you know, put that link in my little document and then go to the company website and put that link in. Those are my two like little just starting points to deep dive of my research. And I want to research the person themselves first. I so hope, thankfully the industry I'm in is there's, I've never had a guest that's not active on LinkedIn and LinkedIn is a wonderful place. Then if you are interviewing people that are active on it to get a pretty good overview of, you know, not just where they currently work, but like where have they worked before? What does it look like their careers? Like, where do they live? Some things like that. I'll come back to why that's important later for the, the pre-talk part, but I find out as much as I can about the person themselves and kind of what their career has looked like. Cause maybe there's something interesting, maybe by looking back at the companies, you're like, you know, my podcast is about the payments world. I've had a few guests where I'm like, wait a minute, 
you're, you know, three years into being the CFO of this payments company or whatever, but you weren't in the financial world at all beforehand. And so I'm like, there's a very interesting thing. Like what, what was the transferable skills? What was the, how did you end up here? If this wasn't, you know, where your careers have been. So you can find a couple interesting things to get to more of that personable side via that. But then I go to the company and it depends on, you know, with my set of guests, some of the people I'm talking to have companies that there are thousands of them. Like I mentioned, you know, it's payments podcast. If I'm talking to someone who has a payment facilitator, there's a lot of those out there. If I'm talking like I interviewed yesterday, uh, someone from the company Hacker One, which is a cybersecurity company, but a very unique type of cybersecurity company that, you know, is part of the ethical hacker community and whatnot. And it, they were much more unique. So if it's a unique company, I'm probably going to spend a lot more time on their website, their blogs, their research that they've put out, anything like that, things that they've actually done versus if it's a company that's like, there's a lot of you out there, you're one of many in this industry. I'll spend a little time trying to figure out on your site, on your LinkedIn, in you know most companies, their blog and the research they put out is kind of the best starting point for like some interesting topic matters or reasons why they might be different. But I'll also spend time going and looking, okay, I've got a couple specific news sites I would go to for my industry. And if I'm talking to a payment facilitator, I might search for news items related to what they do that, you know, might not have anything to do with the company, but might be things that are happening around them with competitors or just within their part of the industry that might then be like, Hey, you know, the interview I have later today, there's a new big bill on the table here in the States for a big regulation that is going to dramatically change what the company that this person works for might, the product that they might have, it might completely render one of their products mute if this law is passed. And so I wouldn't have known that that doesn't show up on their website or anything like that. Maybe that shows up on the person's LinkedIn if they're like talking about it or sharing news sources, but because I went and searched their industry on my kind of trusted set of sites that cover the industry I'm talking about, I learned, Hey, there's this huge thing that's going to impact it. And now that's the main thing I want to ask this person about. That's huge news that could change their company. It changes the industry, everything else. I definitely need to be talking to them about that. That's super relevant. So having a list and the more you do, you kind of find your structure. I definitely have almost a checklist in my head of like, this is the steps I'm going to take in researching. And as I'm doing that, I'm writing out just a big list of topics or even specific questions. And then once I'm kind of done and satisfied with, I've got a bunch on this paper, okay, let's look and move them up and down and around and cut the ones that maybe aren't as good and try to find a flow. How can this conversation work, you know, kind of go from, I have a little bit of a formula-esque to, to the show of kind of high level, low level, like where, how the, the, the general path of the show. And so putting those questions and everything into that kind of structure of path of more background, more about you here, the let's go high level, then you know, let's get into your company specifically to keep talking about these high level things we've started talking about. And then, you know, at the end, maybe if there is some random stuff that doesn't fit anywhere else, but I'm dying to ask you about, save those for the very end. So it doesn't obstruct that flow any earlier. And that's kind of the process we go through. And then I do, I don't know that every show needs to, or has to, but I think most on the corporate podcasting world, we send the, those questions and topics to the guest two or three days in advance to give them and their team time. One in the corporate podcasting world, you will have some people coming back that are like, Hey, 
my compliance team is going to need to listen to this afterwards, but it'll make everyone's life easier if my compliance can, team can look beforehand and tell you, yeah, I know you're dying to ask about this new law that's being passed, but we're actually lobbying against it and we're not allowed to talk about it publicly or whatever and don't ask about that. And so there's some things they need to know or they can come back and say, you missed this big thing. Actually, our, you know, our CEO is doing a bunch of podcasts and press right now to talk about this specific thing that you don't, it seems like maybe you aren't aware of or whatever. So make sure to add that in. So get their input, let them know, let them be able to prepare a little bit. I think that gives them that opportunity and also shows them the type of person they're working with. This is a very professional environment in the corporate podcasting world. It makes you look like a professional who cares. And so that's where I'll then transition into when you get on the call with them is the main, main goal of that for me is because of what we talked about at the very beginning of like, I wouldn't normally be having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this person. And they know that too, to, to some degree. And so that first 10 minutes, yes, I'm trying to learn a little bit about them and about how I can potentially maneuver a conversation later. But mostly the couple things that are huge for me is I always know where they live based off of their LinkedIn. It's very easy. You know, they have to, you know, they show where they live. So instead of asking the, like a lot of people get on the call and will ask me, you know, like, where, where are you calling from? Where do you live or whatever? I'll ask them. So you're in blank. You're like, you're from blank, right? That's where you're calling from in little tiny things like that, that might just seem like small talk or whatever, but signals to them. Oh, wait, he didn't ask where I live. He was like, Hey, so you're in San Francisco or whatever, right? Like, Oh, he must've done his homework. Give those little clues and insights to build that rapport with them and tell them, I might not, it might make no sense that I'm having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this person, but they clearly care and put in the work and deserve my time because they have done those things and are not just showing up and like, oh yeah, nice to meet you. And uh, sure, let's just record. And we don't know what we're talking about or anything like that. So using those little tiny tricks, like I'm always going to ask them, you know, say that I know where they're from. I'm going to, you know, reference uh, maybe a job you used to have or something to like, Hey, did, when you saw the questions, I wanted to ask you about this thing, but the company you used to do, is that like, okay, trying to reference, like I've put in work, I have prepared for this. I have a plan for this, an idea for what we want to do here. That's super important to build that rapport with the guest and build that just kind of camaraderie with the guest. And then also just to get five to 10 minutes of you letting them know, this is my energy. This is kind of the the aesthetic of the conversation that we're trying to have, you know, you, I'll kind of match yours, but like, I want yours to be here at least, you know, this is kind of the just general idea of it and everything. So I think both those parts of the prep play a big, big port part, definitely doing all the work ahead of time and getting the input from the guests themselves as well, but then letting it be known in that when you first hop on the call, kind of clue them into, I did all this work. I am prepared. I am very interested and like, I deserve to be having this conversation with you and kind of overcome that before you're actually on the microphone recording with them. Have you ever given anyone industry news that they didn't know inside the show? And they're like, wait, what do you mean that bill was passed that kills my company? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't broken anything yet. I have had one, one, only one time, thankfully so far, uh, that I, I had kind of read the situation wrong and they were like, it actually doesn't impact. We don't care either way how that goes. Like we're, we're going to be fine where I went into it thinking like, if this goes one, this news item breaks one way, 
that's going to be tough for you, right? Or whatever. And they're like, actually, either way is going to be really advantageous. And let me tell you why, which then turned into like, that's an interesting thing. And it was actually interesting that like, oh, the host kind of was wrong. And you could tell as listening, but like, it got to this really interesting insight. But no, I have not broken any news yet. I doubt I ever will. If I do, the guest is in trouble. They maybe shouldn't be in their job. If I'm the one Maybe, or some very uncanny timing if I'm like on fintechtimes.com and it literally breaks at 1229 and I'm hopping on an interview at 1230, then maybe, maybe, but uh, I doubt that's ever going to happen. I really like the, um, the intention to create a connection with the guests and also in the preparation part. And by the way, we might steal you that trick of checking the location on the LinkedIn profile. That, that sounds a bit like stalking, but I'm, it's reasonable enough. But we definitely steal that one. It's the first line on LinkedIn. It's not it's not stalky or weird at all. It's like, yeah, I went to your LinkedIn. That, that, there's nothing weird about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> fair, hundred percent. But then the the fact that you check all those informations in advance, and then you're able to create that link with the guests, uh, with the small personal information, and like you make it more relatable as well for the audience. I feel and like the episode is smoother. You create a link with the guests, and so Husab and I are big believers of that. But Ideally, the ideal podcast, the listener feels like he's listening to two friends talking about the topic he's interested in or she's interested in actually. And by doing that, by creating that link with the guests, I really feel that you enable that. And definitely the audience will be also to pick up on those and like, oh, okay, they're not just having a one plus one equals two interaction, but they're really like creating link and there is a story behind it and you, you relate with the guests and the host. That, that's really good. So Jacob, maybe leaning into the, the more corporate aspect of it, how have companies you've worked with benefited from having a corporate podcast in your perspective? I think the biggest thing is is the brand awareness, like I had said before, of there's a bunch of ways that that works in their favor, one of which is just simply, you know, my every episode of my show we post about on LinkedIn and because again, I'm in an industry and most if there, if you have a corporate podcast, there's a very good chance, you know, you're in an industry that is pretty active on LinkedIn or just on the internet in general and trying to build some authority and brand awareness and everything. But like every podcast we do, we share a bunch of stuff on LinkedIn and then the guest does. And so everyone who follows this, you know, these very impressive people we've been referencing the whole time of, you know, CEO of big company X that is a big player in the industry, they just you know, shared our name and our company logo or our podcast logo and stuff on LinkedIn because they had a comp came in conversation with me. And so now someone seeing that equates in their mind, oh, PayPod or SorePay is right there with company X that I think really highly of or person X that I think really highly of. So in that way, it builds that brand awareness of being attached to these people and, you know, interacting with these folks who have that authority and that standing in your industry, it just, you know, without getting super technical about it or anything too, like it helps from the, the pure digital marketing SEO type world to have all of the links out on the internet and everything and all the different, uh, all that stuff. Again, I won't get into all the technical parts of it, but like it matters to have your show and therefore the, the links in your company links and everything that you've shared in the show notes and whatnot shared all over the internet that helps in a big way and a bunch of the different algorithms from a digital marketing point of view. So that is always a big, big help. And then while I did use it kind of as the differentiator earlier between the kind of like the entrepreneur that hosts his own show about 
about his or her company versus the, the, the corporate, true corporate podcast, like what I do where I have a hired host, whatnot, there still is a little bit of, hey, you know, and I've talked to different guests at the end of the show that are like, we might be interested in working with you or more interested in knowing about the company behind your show, what they do or what they offer and where I can then refer them on of like, well, you definitely don't want to talk to me anymore for that. There is a, there is a person I can send you to though. And maybe you can build that connection um, or that little bit of networking. So it's mostly the brand awareness and the brand authority and getting others to view you higher with kind of a higher status within the industry. Um, certainly for companies that are maybe just starting out or smaller or more niche players in their particular industry. It's a lot of that. Um, there's a little bit of networking that goes into it too. There's a decent amount of kind of technical digital marketing type of, you know, behind the scenes things that go into it. Those are kind of the main points of value. I think that it's bringing. So social medias, links, social proof, those are all things you just mentioned through podcasting. How does podcasting complement or even lead, in your opinion, other B2B marketing and communication strategies? I think it helps in a bunch of ways. One, it can be a really great testing ground uh, for one thing, uh, because you know, with the shows, hopefully if you've got a great production team, which I will say I have a great production team for PayPod, <laughs> um, you are, you know, putting out some clips or some write-ups or, you know, some, some short form pieces of content that your company could then potentially use to see this topic or this messaging or this whatever, you know, some of those might do better than others, or some of them might get a bunch of traction out of nowhere. And why is that? And so if you're a company that maybe wants to test some different messaging, or maybe you've got a suite of products and they all are similar in importance or value to your potential customers, but you're not sure which one to lead with, which one's going to be the one that like gets people to come ask you the questions in the first place. Maybe you realize from some of the short form content you're putting out from all these conversations of like, this is the one that stands out to people. This is the thing there's a lot of people having an issue about or, you know, wanting information about clearly because they watched this video so much more than all these others. So it can be a little bit of a testing ground in that way to test some messaging, test some different ideas in things. And otherwise, I think it's mostly just uh, it comes back again to that kind of equating yourself to your guest in a brand awareness kind of way of it's, you know, communicating your value or your status of equal, you know, in the industry or your status of we're knowledgeable enough or good enough or whatever, whatever, you know, positive ver uh, adjective you want to put on it to be talking with and interacting with these other companies. And so that helps us communicate to our current clients and potential clients or customers that like, Hey, we're, you know, we're just as big of a deal or just important in this world or just as good at what we do in this world as all these other companies that you maybe already feel that about. Yeah, it really just gives that social proof. And I think it just gives a really good test ground too to try a bunch of things out and to learn about which part of the topic matter, which products, which things within the industry are actually interesting or grabbing home or getting the attention of your potential customer base at that point in time. Mm hmm. 100% couldn't agree more. That's the, so that's what we see as well as being the, the power of podcasts. You record a one-to-one -one conversation. It's a unique piece of content. Nobody has ever done that before because it's a special combination of the host and the guest and the topic that is tackled. So you do not replicate any content out there. And then you can transform it into so many, so many other pieces of content, right? You can 
write an article about it, you will of course post it on the different podcast platforms, so Apple Podcast, Spotify, to name the to name the main, and then you're gonna have potentially a YouTube video. And as you just mentioned, you can create snippets out of it. If you have a 45 minutes conversation, how many one minutes or less than a minute snippets are there in there that can be nuggets of knowledge and potential like viral content, and then you can get links out of it and you can do so many stuff just with a 45 minutes conversation. So definitely that's where we see also the power of podcasting. Yeah. percent. And repurposing is a big thing anyway, right? Every company needs content for their social media. Every company needs as much to get their brand out there as possible. Do you see podcasting as a means of building a much more genuine connection with an audience for a company versus I don't know, just normal social media posts or blog posts and whatnot. Like having a voice, there's something on a human level, there's something a lot more relatable to a voice, to a human being. And you also almost get to put a face on the on the brand of a company. Now, in this case, you are the face of PayPod or SorPay, right? And that's kind of, you are the face that the potential customers see as, okay, when they think of a payment process, they're almost thinking of your face when they think of SorPay. Um, do you see that companies benefit a lot more from podcasting as a medium for digital content? I would say yes, if they're someone that needs to be putting out content, which for a lot of industries and a lot of companies, that is true. That is a need that happens. I. I don't think it's a hundred percent across the spectrum, although every every company out there feels like they they need to be super active online. <laughs> yeah, and it's like most of you do, not every one of you does necessarily, but in the world in you know the financial world that I'm in, uh it, I think most of them do need to be active and be out there establishing themselves. And if you do fall into that side where it is a need, I think podcasting is the best way to go about that versus trying to put together just, you know, content out of thin air, um, that no matter what, even if it is not meant to be super marketing or sales or whatever, is always going to come across like an ad essentially. Nope. No matter what, if it's just like this company is just posting this thing. Um, some companies certainly are way better at, you know, having a, a presence with their social media or kind of having a specific person or uh, personality behind the postings and everything else. But I think podcasting is the easiest way, is the most streamlined way and the most effective way to build up if you're a company that needs to be putting out a good amount of content, staying in the know, staying in front of your audience, that it's definitely going to be as effective as anything else at doing it. And it's the most streamlined and efficient way for the company itself. Because like you said, we're recording one, you know, maybe hour long podcast or whatever, we're hopefully paying uh, really good people to then take and do things with that and turn that into a bunch of short form content to take up the space that we need to fill on all of these platforms. But it is, you know, we're only creating that thing once and then we're having a team of people kind of turn that into a bunch of different touch points. So it's efficient. And from the consumer point of view, it does you can have a face to it if you know you can have an ad campaign that's the same person in it or whatever you can have one person who is the one always posting and has you know their voice is kind of the voice of your linkedin page your twitter page or whatever but it is more effective as a consumer at least it is for me and i think it goes for all consumers really is that there's resonates a little more to hear and see something that i could end up saying the exact same thing as someone wrote out in some like ad or whatnot 
but it comes across as authentic because they can tell it's being pulled from an actual authentic conversation that is just something that came up versus in conversation versus I was handed a script by a marketing director and read it. And then some editor put some graphics to it and we put it out for you to see. Uh, there's an authenticity to it. There is a relatableness to it, you know, where, as you said, people over time, you know, think of me in my face as the, the, the face of the company or the show and that they can then like relate to that or have some knowledge about me that, affects how they feel about the information or whatever's in that clip at that point in time. And so I think it deepens and makes the relationship to the content and to the information you're putting out more meaningful and valuable. And so that's, you know, it's better than what they could. And it's also more efficient from an actual behind the scenes process side and, you know, effective way of them to actually produce all of the content to fill that schedule that they have. So one of my first clients for JJ Marketing, what they said to us was people buy from people, not from companies. So people buy from people, not from companies means that even though you are buying from, let's take a big company, Vodafone, right? To get your phone SIM or the US, it's going to be someone like Horizon or something like this, right? Um, yes, you're buying from the brand Horizon and that really plays a part in the company that you end up picking. But when you walk into the store and you speak to the person that's there greeting you, if they have a smile on their face, you think of Horizon as much better um, versus if you walk in and they're all scowl and they're never nice and the floor is a mess and, and the people around there are just like not well dressed and everything like this, then you maybe are less likely to buy from them. And that tarnishes the brand identity of Horizon. Now, on a B2B scale, it's not so much mass marketing like that to consumers. You're talking to other businesses. How many times have we seen in different business interactions that just relationships and how far they go? So you almost always buy from the people that you know, the people that you can trust, especially when it comes to your business because you're buying for your business, as opposed to just buying from an arbitrary logo or a brand that seems to be doing really, really well. The person that you interact with, your account manager, your sales director that you're having a relationship with, the person on the tech side that's explaining it to you or giving you the onboarding, like those people are what who you're buying for a lot of the time as well. But Jacob, you said something super controversial there. You said not every company needs to be putting out content. <laughs> like, and you said everyone thinks that they need to be. Who doesn't? What industries do you think don't need to be putting out content? I stand by what I say. I don't know that I have great specific examples, but it just it it just it certainly can't be true that every single company that exists needs to be because some of them, uh, you know, some especially in the B two B world more so. Maybe the B2B world should be probably be much more focused on the corporate style podcast that we're talking about versus anything else if they are going to do it. But I don't know, like, uh, you know, for some smaller companies or more niche companies, like, you know, I referenced my wife's ad agency earlier. Uh, they've, they've never put out, a, they don't put out any content, nor do they ever need to. And they're an incredibly successful, you know, high level company. I'm not going to share any like revenue numbers or anything, but like, super successful company, but they do it off of, they do a specific thing in a big market. And, you know, they work with maybe a dozen clients at a time that are super high value, whatever, but like, they don't need to that podcast. She did a few years ago was helpful and everything, but like, it wasn't necessary. And ever since then, for the last few years, you know, they don't, they don't have to put out any comp content or anything. Could it help them? Sure. But the, like the time 
uh, investment isn't necessarily equate to the value that's brought because just of how they potentially, you know, acquire clients and different things. And so, so how is she acquiring clients if she's not doing any advertising? If she's an advertising agency? It is, you know, they're a type of business that is based on results they have. And then all, you know, with a small enough client list that it can all come through building a network within the industry, which yes, you know, then kind of goes against my point of like, you could, again, and she did at one point used a podcast in content as a way to build that network or some, but it became unnecessary or not, you know, the value is being added elsewhere. So yeah, I know I don't have a fantastic example for you, but I just know maybe it's, maybe it's because a lot of companies don't put out good content. Maybe that's the real uh, thing, but I know when I'm on my LinkedIn or, uh, you know, across social or just on the internet in general, that a vast amount of the stuff I see, I feel like is pretty unnecessary or, um, and maybe the real answer is those companies need to just be better or being doing different types of content, or maybe I don't understand all of their actual backend goals or what they're using it for, how it's effective. Um, but I do, I think most industries I did, you know, to say most of them do need to be and need to have that presence in this world. But, um, I don't know that all of them necessarily have to, or need to have, you know, the daily, the weekly stuff, even some of the companies I've spoken with on PayPal in the financial world, where I would say you do need to be out there and have a presence. Some of them have enough authority already or big enough where it's pretty sporadic and it's not, we don't need to be out there every day. We don't need to be sharing stuff all the time. But once every two or three months, we have a big report that we share and we have everyone in the company share it and talk about it for a week or two straight to make sure that this penetrates and is known about, but then we're kind of quiet after that. And it's like, that's actually really smart from your point. Cause this is the one thing that really matters. And that actually drives all of the value or all of the, you know, the acquisition or reaches all the goals that your content might have for you. And you could post every other day outside of those couple of weeks, every few months, but it doesn't actually drive the results the way this one specific thing does. So you don't need to, cause you can turn off customers. You can have people that unfollow you or see something from you. And maybe this is the piece that is valuable to them, but they're like, I, I scroll right past that company. Cause I get annoyed by them. I see them too much or what have you. So yeah, I maybe needed to change slightly how I'd said that before, but the content needs to be better and the amount not everyone needs to be posting daily. We'll put it that way. Every, you know, maybe everyone needs to be posting to some degree, sharing to some degree, getting a voice out there. But the the cadence of it and the acknowledgement of what's actually valuable, what's actually going to drive the end results that we're looking for, I think uh, we don't need the the glut of it that we have. Yeah, and to maybe bring in wrapping up because we enter into the, the advertising part of things, but there are companies out there that do not advertise at all. I don't want to make any mistake, but I believe Tesla is not doing any advertising per se. I think Zara is not doing any advertising neither. So if certain companies can do without advertising, others might be doing without content and doing only advertising. So there might be a nuance here in the sense that, yeah, content is not always the one and only strategy. Although we obviously preach for content strategies here at JHA Marketing, but content, if good, and I think that's a very important point you make, Jacob, 
like the quality of content needs to be good for sure content for content will probably not get you anywhere but good content will for sure drive results yeah there's just way too many now that it's because it's so necessary and there's so many people in different companies you know whose job it is to produce it it becomes a quantity instead of quality thing for some people because it's their job where it's like well we we're supposed to have a post every day on this platform and so uh, we don't have one for this. So like, just make something or whatever. And that starts happening too much. And so, uh, yeah, focusing on the quality of it and does this actually drive the end goals that you are looking for and the metrics you're looking for versus, you know, the metric you don't need to be concerned about is we have to post on LinkedIn seven days a week from the company account, do that, check that box. And that's success. No, that's not success. The metrics you need to look at for success are on the quality standpoint and the end results are you converting whatever you're trying to convert are you adding clients are you you know you actually hitting the kpis that matter not are you checking the box of we're producing content at this cadence yay we did it okay great but what are you doing it for what's the quality side it's measuring input versus measuring output right and you should only get to getting your input measured if you know the output is coming out of it i guess in that sense so super interesting insight jacob Thank you so much for coming on the B2B podcast stories podcast. Mm. <laughs> yeah. My Thank you guys so much for having me. Hopefully we uh, provided a little bit of value here. And uh, you, you may have noticed during this conversation, as we started the whole thing off, I do host another show where it's just me talking. So I get a little long winded. So thank you for anyone who stuck with us all the way to the end. I apologize that I don't always get into the, I'm talking with other people mode. Sometimes I get stuck in the long winded monologue mode. No problem at all. You did great, Jacob. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Fantastic. It was super fun. I loved it. Thank you for listening to the B2B Podcast Stories. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please don't forget to hit subscribe and check us out at jhamarketing.com. Have a great day.